Everybody got a Silmarillion packet? Onward. Silmarillion. Here's it's this green book that I have in front of me. Who's read it? Anybody in the room read Silmarillion? Or tried to is probably what I should say. Tried to read it. Hey, that's fine. Um, it's not like picking up The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings or, or Jane Austen or Charles Dickens. It's, it's very different. Um, the best way that I would describe it is if you pick this up and you look at the, um, the contents, Annalinda Lale and Valaquenta, and then all the Silmarillion chapters, and then Of the Rings of Power in the Third Age, it's basically like a history of the world. And so if you pick it up like a novel, it won't read like one, and you will be frustrated. Like, if you try to read it like it's a novel, it's not one. Um, it's mythology. But if you also read it like it's just its own bunch of different little short stories, it's not that either. So the best way to give you context for that would be like looking at the Old Testament. Is the start of everything in the Old Testament? Yeah, we got Genesis. There's cool stories about Moses. You got the Jonah story. You got Esther. You got Ruth. You got Samson. All these cool little stories that are kind of thrown in one book. Now, are they all the same story? No. No, but is the, are they all connected? Yes. Well, yeah, the Hebrew thing connects them all. Fair enough? So that's what this is. If, you, if I were to pull out, and I have it on the back, uh, one of them back there, I should have grabbed one. If I were to pull like the History of the World book, would, I think I already mentioned this, would the Civil War be in the History of the World book? America's Civil War? Yeah. yeah. It would maybe be a paragraph or two. So ready to go to, I think it's page 90, 296. There it is. Ready? Thus began the third age of the world, the eldest of days, and then it's like, and then Sauron made this ring, a hobbit found it, Gandalf helped him out, and then they destroyed it. It's like one, two, three paragraphs. Then they go on to the next story. So the 1,400-page epic Lord of the Rings plus The Hobbit, did it make it in here? Yeah, three paragraphs. And Tolkien took that whole War of the Rings out and then wrote a whole story about it. Does that make sense? Yes? No? That's kind of cool. That'd be like, you know, History of the World, three paragraphs in the Civil War, and Gone with the Wind, you know, like... You know, this fantasy story about the Civil War type of thing. Fair enough? Go team. So that's a little context. He never finished it. His son had to finish it for him. He worked on it. His it's the first thing he started writing in the trenches. And he ended up continuing it all the way till his death. All right, so this is like his, his masterpiece or whatever. Right? So that's just one thing. Grab the packet. Go to page 15. Annalinda Lale or whatever, all right? The music of the Ainur. Now, we have till, we have a half an hour in class, right? So we're not gonna play this whole thing. So I, what I wanna do is I have three things I wanna teach you, three points today. I know it's right before Thanksgiving. We've got an hour and 15 minutes left of school before we're done, right? We can hang in there. Let's just try to do this. I'd love for you to like put phones away, computers, get everything out. All you need is a pencil and this sheet of paper, or you can even put that down. I got some candles lit. I'm gonna turn the lights off. I know some of you might fall asleep, and that's okay. It'll be worth it for those of you who don't, and even if you do, we'll wake you back up. But I want you to try to pretend, right? So first lesson is the power of myth. 
Is this the true creation story? No, it's not. It's a mythical one. And what have I been saying all class? All stories do what? Point you to the true story. So does this point us to the true story? Yes. And actually, he's doing reverse engineering, which is kind of cool. He knows the true story, so he's writing a myth that points us to it. A lot of myth makers, like Homer, wrote myths, and without realizing it, what? Points us to the true story. Or some people write myths, and then they read the Bible like, oh my gosh, whoa, this is the real one. Okay, so there's a lot of different options. Tolkien's reverse engineering. He knows the true story and then created a myth that points us to it. Fair enough? Which makes it kind of overt on one hand and subtle on another. Yeah. Yeah, whatever you got to do. So here's what I want you to do. Many of you, if I had the fire blazing, we tore the roof off, the stars are out, try to picture just story time. I mean, if you, you know, if someone makes it really rich and they want to do that for me, I would love a fire pit in my classroom someday. That would be awesome. <laughs> it would be pretty sweet. Anyway, so fire's blazing, and I'm going to be like, okay, I brought in, I could, you know, Jeff Brooke. I brought in Matt Hockett, right? He's going to tell us a story about how everything began. So you know this story. What's the story? Just give me a few sentences. What, what would I, what would, how do we start that story? How, how the whole world began? In the beginning. Come on. What? God did what? Create the world. How? So he spoke. So there's a God being who said things and then they what? They just exist in no way? That's really cool. Like, so he just said fish, and what happened? Fish show up? Now, you guys are used to this, but if you never heard that before, that's pretty what? That's pretty cool. A being that can say things and they just show up? That's great. So where did humans come from then? What did he do? How did he get the humans to show up? Took some dirt and did what? Breathed into dirt? And then what happened? They came alive? What? Now, you guys have heard that since you're kids. So that sounds normal. Is that normal? No. <laughs> it's just it's kind of weird, actually. Right? Oh, and then, so then what happened? He, he makes a, a guy and a girl? Okay, so then what happened? Come on, snake. What happened? Enter talking snake into the story? There's a talking snake? Wait, for real, there's a talking snake? Really? Do you guys believe in a story about the creation of everything and there's talking snakes? Yeah. Okay, talking snakes and the snake, they eat some fruit and then they get kicked out of some garden. And that's the story that some of you believe is what? History. Like that's history. It's the real start of what? Everything. Got it? Okay. So that's one version. Some of you actually believe that one's true. Hey, Darwin. Bring Darwin in. No, 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 Darwin's going to, so the fire's blazing, and Darwin's going to tell us what? A, a story. He's going to tell us a story, and what's going to that story going to start with? In the beginning, bang, boom, or whatever, uh, cesspool, or what? In the beginning, there was stuff, and that stuff did what? Evolved over millions of years, and that's, that is a what? A story. Do people believe that that's how it really started? Yeah. yeah, lots of people do. And that's just a what? 
odd story. They're, they're both stories. Some of you picked the one that Moses wrote. Some people, even in the room, picked the one that Darwin wrote. Okay. Is there an African one? Sure. Is there a Mexican one? Sure. Is there a Norwegian one? Yeah. There's all these stories. You guys, there really are stories. Was anybody there? <laughs> no. So we make up these stories, I say that on purpose, of how the world began. At this school, we're picking Moses's. And we believe that that's the true one. Great. What would it take for me to say, hey, guess who's coming in? John, Uncle John Tolkien. He's going to tell us a story about the beginning of the world. <coughs> what would it take for you to switch from the one you believe right now to Tolkien? It would take a lot, wouldn't it? Like, you believe, you believe Moses's? Okay, well, what if it was my job to tell you that Moses was wrong? I mean, it, Moses's points to the true story. Not Tolkien's point. What would it take to switch? Enter, enter the concept of evangelism. Some of you are going to get the, a, a feel of reverse evangelism right now. But a lot of you have never really felt that. You've never had someone really try to convince you that the Moses one isn't the true one. Maybe some of you haven't really ever believed it's the true one. But what if I said, hey, hey here's the Tolkien version, and it's actually the true one. It's really the right one. The Moses one is close, but it's not the real one. This is the real one. Now, even right now, you're like, whatever. Okay, I'm in Bible class at school. Now, what if I was trying to convince you? Now, try to let that sink in. Because all this is is another story about the creation of the world. And I'm saying it like that on purpose. It's another one that most of you will chalk up as false. Okay. What if it wasn't? Hmm. How would you switch? Could you switch? Ready? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to listen to it. It's story time. Okay? Uh, close your eyes if you want to. Pretend you're listening. Try to pretend. I really wish we could be around a fire with the stars out. Someone with a harp on in the background telling this story. So here we go. Ready? Set. Page 15. You can either follow along or just close your eyes and listen. Alright? We got a little bit of music. Martin Shaw, whatever this guy's name is, is reading Tolkien's version of the creation of the world. Right, take a deep breath. Come on, really, seriously. Ready? Try to block out homework. Try to block out Thanksgiving. Now we're left to school. We're ready to just be in the moment. Either follow along or just listen. All right, story time.
Ainulindele, the music of the Ainul. There was Elu, the one, who in ardor is called Iluvatar. And he made first the Ainur, the holy ones, that were the offspring of his thought. And they were with him before aught else was made. And he spoke to them, propounding to them themes of music. And they sang before him, and he was glad. But for a long while they sang only each alone, or but few together, while the rest hearkened. For each comprehended only that part of the mind of Viluvata from which he came. And in the understanding of their brethren they grew but slowly. Yet ever as they listened, they came to deeper understanding and increased in unison and harmony. And it came to pass that Ilavatar called together all the Ainur and declared to them a mighty theme, unfolding to them things greater and more wonderful than he had yet revealed. And the glory of its beginning and the splendor of its end amazed the Ainur, so that they bowed before Ilavatar and were silent. Then Ilavatar said to them, Of the theme that I have declared to you, I will now that ye make in harmony together a great music. And since I have kindled you with a flame imperishable, ye shall show forth your powers in adorning this theme, each with his own thoughts and devices, if ye will. But I will sit and hearken, and to be glad that through you great beauty has been wakened into song. Okay. Some of you are having a hard time getting into this story. You're distracted by lots of other thoughts. We've lost a little bit of the other storytelling, but we're trying to do it for a moment here. This is story time. How does, how does everything start? In the beginning, what? There was a god who did what? Angels. Created angel beings. He created some angel-type beings, and what did he ask them to do? Worship. Yeah, worship through singing. Have we got a problem with it? Sounds pretty cool. So God makes angels and they sing for him. All right, we got it. He's got this little flame imperishable thing to like some fire thing going on. Holy Spirit. We're like, cool. Keep going. Oh, just a couple more minutes. Then the voices of the Ainur, like unto harps and lutes and pipes and trumpets and viols and organs, and like unto countless choirs singing with words, began to fashion the theme of Ilovata were great music, and the sound arose of endless interchanging melodies woven in harmony that passed beyond hearing into the depths and into the heights, and the places of the dwelling of Iluvata were filled to overflowing, and the music and the echo of the music went out into the void, and it was not void. Never since have the Ainur made any music like to this music. 
Though it has been said that a greater still shall be made before Ilovata by the choirs of the Ainur and the children of Ilovata after the end of days. Then the themes of Ilovata shall be played aright and take being in the moment of their utterance, for all shall then understand fully his intent in their part, and each shall know the comprehension of each, and Ilovata shall give to their thoughts the secret fire, being well pleased. But now Ilovata sat and hearkened, and for a great while it seemed good to him, for in the music there were no flaws. But as the theme progressed, it came into the heart of Melchior to interweave matters of his own imagining that were not in accord with the theme of Ilovata. For he sought therein to increase the power and glory of the part assigned to himself. To Melkor, among the Ainur, had been given the greatest gifts of power and knowledge, and he had a share in all the gifts of his brethren. Sound familiar? He had gone often alone into the void places, seeking the imperishable flame, for desire grew hot within him to bring into being things of his own. Hmm. And it seemed to him that Ilovata took no thought for the void, and he was impatient of its emptiness. Yet he found not the fire, for it is with Ilvata. But being alone, he had begun to conceive thoughts of his own unlike those of his brethren. Some of these thoughts he now wove into his music, and straightway discord arose about him, and many that sang nigh him grew despondent, and their thought was disturbed, and their music faltered. But some began to attune their music to his rather than to the thought which they had at first. Then the discord of Melkor spread. Ep all right. Where are you going? So we'll stop right there. And like, so that that's how it all started. And, and it's interesting. So what happens? These angel beings are singing, and then Melkor is one of them. He's really powerful, really creative. What does he do? He wants to do his own thing, and I think we need to stop right there. The first, he wants to do his own thing. Is that necessarily bad? No. He wants to be creative. Is that necessarily bad? No. Two things. One, what made what he was doing bad and create discord? He's bringing glory to himself. His motivation. His motivation to bring glory to himself and not his creator. Now, all of a sudden, by definition, we have something bad. Which, does that even necessarily have to be bad? No, but it created discord in the context of the story. So you can see the relativity, but also how it loses its relativity because you have an objective standard. Are these angel beings, are they forced to sing? No. And are they forced to sing only what God wants them to sing? No. So they must have what? Free will. Wait a second, so is this dualism? Is this dualism, is everybody the same? No. no. Is it materialism? It can't be material because they're spiritual beings. Is it idealism? So what is this? Theism. It's theism with free will, and it's only been five paragraphs. Kind of interesting to consider. How does it go, by the way? They, they sing, right? They have the first age and the second age and the third age and the fourth age. They sing the whole song, right? And then they get to see it. So they sang it. Then they get to see it, which is kind of cool. They get to, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what we sang. How cool. They get to watch the DVD. 
And then what do they do? Those who actually read the packet, what's that third thing they get to do? That they get to go into it and live it out. Well, that's cool, too. Although, as they're living it out, it's already all been what? Sung. But it's not done yet because Ilvatar can insert things of his own into the story, even though it's already been written, which is kind of cool. Are we, so, can we see the metaphor? Yes? Powerful metaphor. Now, what if this was the true one? Would Moses' story point to this one? Yes. So, see how they can kind of both be flipped. So, ready? What would it take? First lesson of the day. What would it take for me to actually now take the rest of our three weeks in this class to convince you that this is the real one and Moses' is not the real one? Evidence. You, you would start... Possible. What? Probably impossible, right? It'd be really, really hard. And so you've been told in your Bible classes and probably by your parents and pastors to go evangelize. Do it. Go evangelize. But ready, keep in mind that that would be like me trying to get you to believe this mythical story. Easy or hard? Really, really hard. So when you're talking with your Muslim neighbor, maybe a little easier than some other people, but when you're talking with someone who believes Darwin's story as true, and they think that Tolkien's is false, whose also do they think is false? Moses's. Does that make sense? They're both just what? And are they? Yeah, but you, some of you in the room believe that the one that the Hebrew guy wrote is the true one with talking snakes and a God who says stuff and it disappears. And a burning bush, right? And a whale that like pukes people up on a shore and a talking donkey. Like, that's a story and we believe it's what? True. true. Keep that in mind that when you are trying to convert people to Christianity, It'd be like me trying to convert you to Tolkienanity. It's a big jump. Now, you're going to be like, yeah, but we have evidence and archaeology, uh, you know, etc. Et I'm like, yeah, you're right. So use all of that, but just remember you're trusting this story to be true. Fair enough? Okay, that's that lesson. Thoughts, questions, comments on that? I think it's something just for some of you to ponder. That remember, you believe in a myth. So do I. And I believe it's true with the talking snake and all. But it's, it's a story. And it's a weird story. A really good weird story. But it's a weird story. Just as weird as angel beings singing the world into existence. I've got some spirit god being speaking it into existence. Okay, like what's the difference really? Right? <laughs> okay, yeah, fair, fair enough. Lesson checked. Second lesson. I got 10 minutes. It's not enough time. And so I'm not going to take a lot of time on it. I'm gonna, there are many lessons that I want to plant some seeds on for you. And it's the power of myth. And for me, this, these six pages changed my life. And the, the, the only way that it changed my life is because it's myth. It's the power of imagination and mythical stories. I, like many of you, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to admit it. Some of you aren't even aware of it. But I went through the grammar school, I went through this school, I went off to a Christian college, I went to two different churches in town, right here in DuPage County, really famous, great churches. And I was in college and I still thought it was Satan versus God. Satan's the bad guy, God's the good guy, and they're duking it out. They're having it, but who's gonna win? God. If you're thinking that way, just in the context of philosophy class, that's what? Dualism. That's dualism. It is not Satan versus God. 
I had thought that it's okay, Satan tempts Jesus, right? Get out of my face, get out of my face, get out of my face. Right? Like it, it, it appears to be Satan versus God, but is it really? Actually, when I read Silmarillion, I was like, that would be like Melkor trying to fight Ilvatar. Is that going to do anything? No way. <laughs> Melkor's just an angel. Oh. What is Satan? Literally, he's just an angel. That's all he is. It's Satan versus who? Michael and Gabriel, right? Like, he's an angel. I kind of like saying it like that because I think we often make him out to be this big. He's an angel, just like Michael's an angel and Gabriel's an angel. And he's really, he's fighting other angels. Really, who's he trying to pick on? Us. <laughs> Read Job. Jo Satan's like with his tail between his legs. Can I pick on Job? Please, like he has to get permission. <laughs> By the way, does Satan have any chance against God? No, it's all sorry. It's almost laughable. Like, there's no way he's an angel. He can't kill God. He can't fight God. Are you serious? And I did not think like that until I read this. This was the only thing that helped me understand it. I've been taught it in school, and people have preached about it, etc. I read the Bible. But I had never really put Satan in his literally appropriate spot. He's just an angel trying to ruin your life, and whatever. We don't, God's not afraid of him, <laughs> right? And he wants to make himself out be, to be bigger and better than he really is. Now, is he a big, bad dude? Sure, but he's an angel. Fair enough? Something to chew on? No, yeah, he's a fallen angel. So he's a warped angel, which means that Michael and Gabriel could kick his butt. <laughs> right? Kind of interesting. Yeah? Uh, oh, by the way, who's in you and me? God. <laughs> we have to be afraid of the guy. For real, no. Not only that, we have five minutes left. That's the second lesson. Questions on that? Something to chew on. Like, some of you need to ponder that and really realize, like, do we really know who this Satan character is? It's worth three minutes of your life because some of you have coasted through all of this stuff and not really understood that we are not dualists. We're really not. God created everything. He's fine, right? This third point, though, is one of my favorite points, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll leave it with you before you head off into break. In the story, those who read it, Melkor enters into the world, and what does he want to do with it? Destroy it and manipulate it, right? He wants to ruin and break everything. And I read it. It's so fun. I mean, you got to read. You got to read page 18 and 19. Like... I was laughing, it's LOL, I, I was laughing out loud in my dorm room when I read this because it clicked. I'm like, oh my gosh, and, and I gotta give you context. It clicked a year before my dad died in a car accident. And I know that God gave me this right before that happened. I know it for a fact because I had not had this mentality. I'm reading this and I watch Melkor come up to a mountain and he wants to ruin the mountain. So he tries to like ruin the mountain. And what does he end up creating? A gorgeous valley. Thanks, Melkor. And he, like, he sees water and he sees rain, and rain is gorgeous and beautiful, and he hates the rain. So he's like, I'm going to heat it up. And what does he make? <laughs> Fog. Thanks. <laughs> you know, steam, which is really cool. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll freeze it. <laughs> he freezes it, and what does he make? Snow. Like, thanks, Melkor. Snow is gorgeous. Did he want to make gorgeous snow? No, he wanted to ruin the rain, and he ended up making snow. Like, I started laughing. I'm like, oh my gosh, poor guy. <laughs> he, like, he wants to ruin anything, and can he ruin anything? He wants to ruin everything and can't really ruin anything. And I remember distinctly like, wait, 
Who is this character supposed to represent? Satan. Can Satan ruin anything? No, and I remember thinking, yeah, here's Satan. He's like, okay, this guy's God. Jesus is God. Cool, I'm going to grab him. I'm going to nail him to a cross. I'm going to kill God, right? Thanks, Satan. Um, you helped save everybody. Did Satan want the salvation of man humanity? No, but he killed God and could he? No, so I was like, sorry. <laughs> like, we, we literally can say this to Satan. Hey, thanks for uh, killing God so that I could be saved. Appreciate it. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at it, but like, it's hysterical. Like, Satan's trying to ruin everything in the Bible. Can he ruin anything? He can't ruin anything. It's, it's almost, uh, I've got to be careful, but it's almost laughable, right? And, and, and if you can step back and look at that, this little mini lesson right here from this mythical story, I had not seen it like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, look, you can't ruin it. Oh. Oh, the myth pointed to the true story, and I, I was like afraid of Satan ruining my life. Can he ruin my life? Like, can he actually do it? He actually can't ruin my life at all, nor can he ruin yours. Period. Sorry. He did it. He tried. He took my dad out a year later. He must have been thinking, okay, look, I'm going to kill Dr. Dominguez, and that'll ruin the Dominguez family. Has it ruined my family? If anything, it helped me put my identity in the right place. I stopped idolizing my father, and I've come closer to my heavenly father. Now, it's weird to say it, and I wouldn't have said it, like I wouldn't say it to the Lefflers right now, you know, but like for me, 18 years later, it's almost like, wow, thanks, God, for letting that horribly painful, hard thing happen, because you redeemed it in such a really cool way, and my dad went to heaven, like he's fine. Oh. Oh, wait. You can't ruin anything. Like, it's weird. I, I was actually, I think it's kind of crazy that I'm teaching this lesson right now after failing this test. Right? Like, can Satan ruin my career as an outdoor educator because <laughs> of some little thing that I didn't pass this weekend? I could potentially let it really get me down. And it was hard. Believe me, it was hard to fail that thing. But I, I'm walking away from it like, you know what? I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to be fine. Like, you can't, Satan can't ruin that, can he? Right? Like, as you leave, right? Like, do you really believe that he can't ruin your life at all? Eh. <laughs> right? Yeah, something you chew on. Don't give him more credit than he has or deserves. Guys, have a great Thanksgiving, okay? Take care. All right. Yeah. Yeah, okay, neither was I. Yeah, it's all this. Fill this sheet out, hand it in, and I'll annotate the hot. See you guys. Have a good one. Dancing your way out of the class, very nice. Yeah, I love. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, were you at my mom's? For what? On Saturday? Oh, no, no, I I read this stuff. Oh, that's why I give these assignments.